This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Cardiology and Heart Surgery Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Barbara Gill MacArthur, Vice President of Cardiac Services at the University of Kansas Health System. Barbara, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Good morning, and thank you for having me. Now, we're thrilled to have you back. I know we had you last year uh, with a great conversation, and so I'm glad we'll be able to follow up and catch up on a few things. But before we dive in, for anybody who's maybe just joining us on the podcast, could you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about your background? Certainly. Um, My background was clinical. I was um, educated and have a master's degree in nursing and was an advanced practice nurse. I'm a clinical nurse specialist in the cardiothoracic surgery world for a number of years. My postgraduate work then, uh, I moved into healthcare public policy and communication and was actually an Annenberg uh, program fellow um, in healthcare public policy. During those years, my focus was on transplant. This was um, in the 80s, and transplant um, had become a very important and dramatic um, part of cardiovascular care and as well as surgery. But there was a great deal of public policy work related to uh, organ donation and allocation and so forth. So I spent a number of years um, working both nationally and internationally in the processes, ethics, and practices surrounding primarily heart transplant. There was lots to learn and great contacts to be made um, both nationally and internationally. Um, I served on an IOM committee. Um, there were NIH consensus conferences. Um, and during those years, um, was really honored to be um, an, a healthcare committee appointee in two states, both Florida and Texas, as we relocated. Uh, by four governors, and two of them happened to be Bushes. So wonderful career opportunities. And then I came back to um, hospital organizational administration and leadership, and that's where my focus has been for the last several years. And um, for the last 10 years, I've had the privilege of being the vice president of cardiac services at the University of Kansas Health System. And that brings me to today and uh, my visit with you. Well, fantastic. And I know you've got such an interesting background. So when you think about where you're at today at the University of Kansas, what are some of the biggest issues that you're following right now in healthcare? Obviously, a lot has been covered by the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, So, you know, what are really front of mind and how is the field changing? Well, I think you're spot on in terms of um, our world in healthcare, both delivery, leadership, and practice, as well as business aspects, got rocked tremendously by the pandemic. So I think the issues that um, I'm thinking about and we are thinking about um, not only in the cardiovascular area, but for the organization, for our health system, and many of us are, is trying to understand today and current state, what are our priorities and needs? And those priorities have needed to adjust to the current state. Secondly is how can we maintain aligning both business and quality outcomes in today's state? And thirdly, how can we sustain success in our organizations? Got it. 
So interesting. So, you know, when you're looking at um, those three areas and, and thinking about, you know, your priorities changing with the situation, and then it, interestingly, um, you know, maintaining the business and quality outcomes, what are some of the um, tensions between those two things? I know, you know, obviously having to put the patient first is so important. Um, is there a solution or a way that you're working through, you know, all of this to make sure you're hitting the quality that you need, um, but then also being mindful of the cost constraints on any healthcare organization? That's exactly right. How do we do that work? And what we have done and what I think has been very helpful is to really turn our thoughts back to the service line model. And the service line model, as we know, has been around for quite some time. And service lines get formulated differently in different organizations, but they serve as a really nice mechanism um, for aligning the quality and patient-centered outcomes and being successful in business. And I'm going to go back to um, a definition from the early days of service lines. And as we know, they came out of business and industry, and there was a creative group in the early 2000s that said, can we apply this to healthcare? And the applications were, you know, could we apply them to the high visibility, high volume um, areas of healthcare? So cardiovascular care, both on the medicine and the surgical side, um, met those um, definitions, if you will. High volume, high visibility, high number of subspecialties, and a fair amount of complexity for patients and families, as well as the organization. I'm going to go back to um, a quote from Preston G., who's been a longtime leader in healthcare. He's um, at Christus Health, and, and this quote came from 2004, and sometimes history is really valuable. And at that time, he said, the service line model offers an elegant mechanism or organizational framework to identify those strategic components of the hospital or healthcare system that are absolutely critical to the long-term success of the organization. So great terminology, an elegant mechanism, um, a strategic subcomponent, and it's critical to the long-term success of the organization. So pulling that um, quote back into current times, um, I think there's some value in reframing the service line model to where we are in our organizations and certainly in cardiovascular care. So when you think about any model, what are the what do you need in terms of leadership? Because the model, the work, the outcomes will only be as good as the leaders and understanding what those responsibilities are. So if you think about service line leadership, there's um, the necessity to function in a matrix. Um, sometimes you're directly accountable and responsible, and sometimes it's most beneficial to have a matrix management model so that you're taking the objectives of the subspecialties and of the service line and tying it to the frontline um, management and leadership that make daily operations happen. 
you have to be able to think across divisions. So it's not only cardiac surgery and cardiovascular medicine, but it may be imaging or um, infectious disease or oncology. So think across divisions and across specialties. Focus on market share and profitability. I'll come back to that when we talk more about the business piece. Um, And mostly, if you're going to lead a service line, either from a frontline level or a vice president executive level, recognize that you have to be a member of a really high-performing team um, and that your responsibility for that team is to support decisions and goals. Um, Be a member, uh, be supportive, but also recognize the value of strong leadership. So um, that's kind of the basis of past and what I think is um, really appropriate and uh, logical for where we are today. Absolutely. That's so interesting. And in, in really looking at that service line model, going back to something that, you know, maybe some organizations have strayed from, but really has provided a strong context for a great patient care and outcomes, as well as managing a, a, a financially strong organization. So I think that makes a lot of sense. And when you look at cardiology and heart surgery in particular, how are you seeing the field changing? What about um, the specialty, you know, really will need to be elevated in the coming years? Um, Well, um, the subspecialties are fascinating right now. Um, I mentioned cross-divisions and and cross-disciplines. Cardio-oncology is a really good example. Uh, The genetic indicators for cardiovascular disease are becoming more and more um, interesting and obtainable. Um, there's been enormous growth and potential with advanced imaging and technological advancements. And look what COVID did in terms of just bringing myocarditis and um, a different approach with imaging to see, um, to look at a disease process in a vast population and see what we could learn. So, um, In terms of projected growth, we know that there is enormous projected growth in structural heart um, and the the technology, the imaging, and the approaches um, for working in the structural heart arena, um, all the way from TAVR to left atrial appendage work to patients that um, five, seven, 10-day hospitalizations are now in the 48-hour range. Um, the technological advancements that force good learning and good research and good investment um, are important for not only the providers to understand and invest in their learning, but the organization to invest in the capital responsibilities to keep technology current. We need to understand what quality is and use quality data in a very different way. Um, the days of retrospective analysis, the world's moving too fast. Our patient needs are rapid. Our staff needs, our technology needs are rapidly moving. So how can we use data and potentially um, artificial intelligence to make not only our um, information current, but available sooner, more quickly, more accurately, and then actually apply the information 
to driving both process and outcome goals in small multidisciplinary teams that will make those changes occur in day-to-day practice, both clinical practice, research and education practice, and business practices. Got it. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, when you look at taking that service line model that we talked about, and then to having so many different um, areas where the there's kind of that bridge between specialties, as you mentioned, the cardio-oncology and, and other aspects, um, how do you really make sure that the specialists are communicating with each other through departments, um, you know, and really giving the patient everything they need for a kind of comprehensive care journey versus, you know, being siloed um, within their respective divisions? That's such an important concept, and it has to be moved from concept to practice. So make a commitment to multidisciplinary work groups. Um, large departmental reports won't get close enough to standard work, um, differentiators, real value in um, being focused on both processes and outcomes. You have to move from reporting to put them into action. So smaller multidisciplinary groups that actually take the time and the energy um, and the investment from the organization to have the data and the time available um, to look at the facts, to look at um, what's working and not working, um, be willing to look at small tests of change, use an organizational discipline around improvement, whether it's lean or or whatever process you're going to use, but really develop a discipline um, and good communication with groups that are subject matter experts, that um, are analysts, that um, can work together, and then bring it to the frontline leaders um, in very practical ways that they can put to work in the EP lab, in the critical care unit, um, in the outpatient setting. Um, We have to translate to practice to standard work and understanding the impact sooner rather than later to keep up with what our patients need and um, to make good decisions. Um, We have to think creatively and collaboratively, um, broaden the thinking from just the clinicians to your service line um, professional colleagues. Um, You know, we look at, I'll give you an example. We look at um, length of stay. We look at optimal length of stay. You know, you can make a decision to simply have a goal of decreasing length of stay by 0.5 days or have patients out of the hospital by noon. And those may make a difference just in terms of, of throughput. But if we're really going to make a difference, it's got to be optimal length of stay. Um, So how can we work with um, and then avoid the readmissions that would come out of less than optimal length of stay? So think very creatively. We've um, done a lot of work, as everyone has, in looking at reasons for readmissions. Many of them um, lie within uh, medication management. So how can you make medications more easily available to patients? How can you facilitate access to the medications? Um, 
How can you manage the business side of that? Could you look at retail pharmacy? So we've developed a very strong retail pharmacy, not only from the business standpoint, which has been successful, but in access for our patients. So we can track in real time the refilling of outpatient prescriptions, the delivery and acceptance of those medications, um, prompting the refills, and using the EMR collectively so that the patient, the physician, and the clinical pharmacist um, can get the right medications to the right patients at the right time and impact unnecessary readmissions and complications. So that's what I mean by think creatively, think collaboratively, and use the service line as the umbrella over those types of activities. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much, Barbara, for going through that with us. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, I just have one more question. What are you most excited about for the future? Well, the two things that I'm most excited about, number one is the next generation of leaders and the next generation of providers, of professionals. Um, I think that um, it's not only succession planning, but it's really making the environment of access to information, sharing of not only information, but good communication, and understanding that leadership um, is an acquired skill, and combining those acquired skills and leadership with the acquired knowledge and skills of the clinical practice um, I think that's where the future lies. Um, and then secondly, and not second to, but secondly, is how can you take really good leadership, really good business practices, and make those accessible to patients in ways that we've never thought about before? Um, we exploded with... Um, telehealth and telecommunication with patients during COVID, um, the explosion of remote monitoring that we have advanced heart failure patients with PA monitors in real time all day that can send data forward. So between really good leaders, really good communication, and thinking creatively about access to technology, I think the future is very exciting. Well, fantastic. Barbara, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has, again, been just such a wonderful discussion, and uh, we look forward to having you back again soon. Thank you very much. Have a great day.